0: Because it's sort of understanding, okay? you've got someone who you've met who's got similar interests, who's got a similar level of intelligence, emotional intelligence. I mean, one of the things that we've created within Love with Intelligence is a compatibility matrix. And it's the um, core areas of what I believe someone should look at when it comes to actually developing a relationship. Because it goes beyond, do I have a good connection with someone? Um, do, I, do I like them? Are they physically attractive? Whatever it might be, it's actually going, okay, well, does this person actually align to my goals, my personal goals, my relationship goals? Because I see a relationship as almost like a journey.
1: Welcome to the Stuff Up podcast, where we delve into different topics to learn more about ourselves and more about others. And on today's episode, I'm excited to welcome international relationship and dating coach Lily Walford. Welcome, Lily! Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I know
0: already that we're gonna have a freaking amazing time. Yes, <laughs> discussing all these crazy things. So I, yeah, thank you so much for having
1: me on. <laughs> we should have just recorded like the pre what we were I just know. talking about, like. <laughs> We were getting into stuff and I'm like, oh, I should start recording now. (laughs) Oh, so can you tell people a little bit about what you do? I mean, dating coach seems kind of obvious, but maybe (laughs) it's more involved than what we think. (laughs) Yes, I'm a dating coach, basically, with a bit of a twist. So
0: we use something called behavioral profiling and body language. So um, uh, back in 2019, I partnered up in business with someone called Chase Hughes, and he has $30 million worth of government-backed research training military operatives to a Jason Bourne, James Bond kind of level. And uh, through that research, we can profile people within six minutes or less, just visually. And also, we can um, read people better than the polygraph machine. So we brought this information in to help people date safely and successfully. And through this, we've had clients meet their partners in as little as 21 days. Wow. So, do you have a degree in behavioral sciences? No, funnily enough, no. But I have gone through things like NLP. Um, So, I've done NLP practitioner, master practitioner, I'm an NLP trainer, life coach, hypnotherapist. I was trained and mentored by Chase and another guy called Chris Hadnagy, who's into um, social engineering. So, one of his jobs that he does. Um, With his company is they'll go and ethically hack into some of the high security buildings and companies from knowing how to play with sort of behavior where we can start getting people to elicit information from them and things like that. So testing out what things can protect a company and what things need to be improved on. So that's super helpful when it comes to things like dating scams and helping people to avoid those and dangerous personality types.
1: <laughs> wow. You know what? You, Dr. Phil should have you on. <laughs> or have you been on Dr. Phil? Maybe you've been on Dr. Phil. The <laughs> thing is, Chase has actually been on Dr. Phil. So, um, yeah. Has <laughs> he? Awesome. Because, you know, he'll ha- a lot of times he has these and there, a lot of times, they're elderly women, and they believe that this man in Nigeria that they've sent hundreds of thousands of dollars to is the one. And then, right, you're just like, no, I know, <laughs> so I know. <laughs> it's so sad because, like, one
0: of the things that so many people don't realize is the way that people are manipulated or influenced is through empathy. So I often think people think, oh, well, I can't be influenced because I'm too intelligent. It's like, actually, no, we're, bit, we're being influenced every day by the way that we feel and the way that people make us feel. So for example, like um, narcissistic relationships, in a narcissistic relationship, a narcissist could say things like, only stupid people will think that way. Or um, I can't believe you thought that. I, I thought you knew I loved you or something like that, that would manipulate the way that you think. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. and that's so because yeah you think oh I have good boundaries I can pick these things out but when it happens and it's so subtle and you're like wait a minute what <laughs> right yeah yeah and then you've got things like there's something called um, a
0: confirmation bias so if you've got someone who's crazily attractive we will let them get away with so much more just purely because we find them attractive. So, um, you know, we'll give them excuse like, oh, maybe they were just having a bad day or maybe they didn't realize that that would upset me or whatever it might be. And
1: we, um, yeah, we validate it. We say, oh, that's okay. <laughs> right. Now you can tell in the messages if somebody is lying to you, right? How does that work? Yeah.
0: So there's uh, so many different ways that you can play around with this. So, language, it has a certain pattern to it. So for example, I think we've all heard of that saying, I did not have sexual relationships with that woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, uh, that statement will actually show that it's in the right patterning to be a lie. So often when we're lying, we'll separate things like didn't with did not. We'll actually separate the person that it's associated to. So rather than saying the woman's name, it goes that woman. And what we tend to do is if we've done something really bad, we'll give it a different name or or say something different. So for example, murdered would change to hurt or sex will change to sexual relations. (laughs) So you've got three indicators there that look like, you know, someone's actually telling a lie within that sentence.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, And also when I, what I think of when I hear somebody say that woman, instead of saying their name, you're dehumanizing them. Exactly. And that's one of
0: the elements to look out for. And it's also like, um, one thing that's really important is when we're looking for lies or telltales in behavior we're and language, we're looking for not just one, we're often looking for a cluster. So it's like two or more that will give us the indication that that person's not being as truthful as we would want them to be.
1: That must be really tricky. Like, do you have a lot of people come to you? I guess in this day and age, we, there's a lot of online dating. Mm-hmm. So do they come to you and go, how do I interpret this, these messages? Because I'm getting, <laughs> and this is what people will do. I mean, in my experience, men, right? They'll say something nice to you. And then they'll give you a backhanded compliments. So you're like, but he's nice. He said this and made me feel good, but he said this, but he's not, you know what I mean? So you must get that quite a lot with people coming to you asking about these different messages.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what we tend to do is we actually train people in this stuff. So they're able to have a look at the language patterns and body language and all these different things. And yeah, sometimes they'll come back to me and go, well, you know, can you check this out? I'm thinking this, this, and this. It's like, yep, you're right. Because I can see this, I can see this, I can see this. And it helps people to actually identify what they're actually feeling from their gut feeling and intuition. Because what we tend to find is so many people, you know, if you think of um, bad relationships that you might've had in the past, I can almost guarantee that there was a time in the very beginning of that relationship where you were like, oh, this is never going to work. And instead of going, OK, I'll listen to it, we go, oh, I'll just give it another day or I'll just see where it goes. Maybe I'm being a bit too harsh. <laughs> and uh, We talk ourselves out of it. And that's actually based upon it. when we're kids. And, you know, we say to our parents, oh, I, I don't like Uncle Tim. And the parents go, oh, don't be silly. He's lovely. Brought you a lovely Christmas present. Now go and say hello. <laughs> and we get taught to ignore
1: the, those gut feelings from a very young age. And children are taught to not listen because you don't have autonomy, right? Uh-huh. And actually, I was talking, I was talking to my mom about this recently. Have you heard of Rachel Den Hollander? I haven't, no. Okay, she's a lawyer and an advocate for sexual assault victims. She herself was assaulted by one of the gymnastics coach, Larry Nasser. I don't know if you heard of that years ago. So I watched a conference where she was talking or thing last week where she was talking about how she raises her children and teaching them about consent Mm. and to listen to if they're uncomfortable with something or they don't want to go somewhere. And I guess it's also hard because sometimes kids just don't want to go places, but to listen to maybe there's something there. And I said to my mom, like, I wish I had that when we were kids. Because when we would say, when I would say, I don't want to go there, it was, I was feeling uncomfortable. I, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, but nobody listens to the kids. (laughs) Yeah. And then you're taught to squash down all of those red flags. that, Yeah. those, Those things that you're feeling. And so, and now they talk about like, if you're, don't force your kids to hug because maybe that's creepy Uncle Tim. Right. <laughs> That's trying, you know.
0: Yeah. And it's so true. And I think like even in today's society, we get taught not to feel. Everything is so logic based, which is quite scary actually, because you know, a lot of people that I tend to work with in the very beginning, or people that I tend to talk to, I ask them, How do you feel about XYZ? And that they never answer, um, I feel straight away. They answer, I think, straight away. And that's probably about like a good 80 to 90% of people. And what it shows is that people, especially in today's society, have become more disconnected from their emotions because, you know, they go to work, they're not allowed to feel, they have to compartmentalize and go into work and work, 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 put the company's needs before their own. And then at the end of the day, <laughs> they're exhausted. They don't want to process that. All they want to do is go and watch TV because that's that numbing process. We get taught to numb and and no emotion gets processed. And people wonder why, you know, things like mental health, for example, is so, so um, bad right now. And also people wonder why they feel disconnected when it comes to actually relationships and being able to enjoy a loving relationship, because the truth is a healthy relationship starts with a healthy relationship with ourselves. We can't connect to someone if we're not connected to ourselves.
1: Right. Mm. <laughs> and do you also find, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of people kind of working on themselves, but there's always those people who don't want to. And so if they're not tuned into themselves and can't love themselves, then they find it really hard to be in relationships because they're, I was this way. (laughs) You're needy, right? You're looking for somebody to validate you and love you. And then you need that, right? Because you can't love yourself. And how do you help people with that?
0: Yeah. Because so many people go into relationships to get, it's like, I'll be happy when I'm in a relationship. And yeah, I am like, (laughs) I'll put my hand up. I was that person too. Hopeless romantic watching all the Disney films. Um, (laughs) It's really important to be able to almost take stock of yourself because what tends to happen is when people go into relationships, they want to prove that they can be loved. It's like, look, I'm good enough. I do this, I wear this, I say this. And it's all these different things to prove that you can be loved. And what this actually creates is this conditional love type of relationship, which actually leads to resentment because often, you know, you're giving, 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 give to this person. It's like, well, why isn't this being appreciated? And it creates this bigger disconnect. And where this actually comes from as well is childhood. So when we're a child, Usually, between sort of the ages of zero and seven, we start creating our identity, and we create the way that we see ourselves, the way that we believe that we interact with the world, and also our understanding of how we give and get love so for example, you can have people like the people pleasers, oh, I was one of these um you know it's like <laughs> so it's like i'll oh, I'll make you a cup of tea, you know, look how good I am. And then you've got people like the victims where it's like, oh gosh, I've just fallen over and hurt my knee. Love me. You know, there's all these different personality types, you know, the overachiever and things like that. And it's the things, the behaviors that we do to go over and above to receive love because it creates this sort of conditional thing of like, okay, if I'm this way, this is how I get appreciated and accepted. And when you think about survival as well, it's like knowing that we're, we're accepted, we're a part of something where we're going to be kept safe. But the problem is, when we become an adult, we carry on with the same behaviors. So with the the people pleasing, it's like yes, okay, I'll stay late late, and uh, I'll work really hard to achieve that deadline in relationships. Oh no, I don't mind that. You know, you want to go out and have a night with the lads, even though I've not seen you for a couple of weeks. Sure, it's fine. <laughs> you know, and we and we that's how we kind of end up um, carrying on these behaviors and also disconnecting with ourselves, trying to prove our way into receiving love and feeling worthy of love and for people who are stuck in that cycle one of the questions I ask people is who's not worthy of love because it allows people to realize there's no one who's not worthy of love Mm. if you're breathing if you're alive you're worthy of love and that's actually all it takes And the other thing is, if people can't appreciate you for who you are, then do you want to be with them? And it's like, it's rationalizing these things and actually starting to go, okay, what is it that I actually like about myself? What am I most proud about, about my own qualities as a human being? And the other thing is, is what's the story that you're telling about yourself? Because often, you know, if people have this, we've all heard of like negative and positive self-dialogue. Well, often when we listen to the dialogue of what we, you know, our internal dialogue, we often find the story of what we're telling ourselves. And it might be, oh, I'm not good enough. Or I'm not loved. Or I'm not this. And everything we start looking around in our lives, we start to solidify that story. So it's really important to identify that because even if, We have the most loving person (laughs) enter our lives who's giving us all this unconditional love. We will start to interpret only the bad things because it's like, um, it's basically the way the brain works. So for example, if I said, okay, you know, if you look around your room now and tell me what's, look for what's blue, then close your eyes and tell me what's red. You will really struggle to tell me what's red because you've just been focusing on the blue and it's exactly
1: the same when it comes to love. (laughs) Right. And in life, because I've noticed, you know, if I'm so focused on all the negatives, I can't see any of the positives. Yes. And that's where when people start to talk about have gratitude, write a gratitude journal and and you start thinking, I can't think of anything, but you're like, wait, I'm alive. The Well, whether it's sunny or raining, I mean, you can still be grateful for that weather, but like, just like, oh, the bus came on time and I'm thankful that I heard the birds. Like when you start to think of everything, you're like, wait a minute, there's so many beautiful things out there. And then retraining your brain to, because that's a process, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was like really fascinating. Like, I don't know if you guys have heard of a guy called Darren Brown uh, over in the US, quite famous over in the UK. I think I might've heard the name, but. Yeah, so he's basically like a bit of um, a magician kind of guy. And he did this fascinating study where he wanted to understand, you know, what is it that actually makes people lucky? And how different do lucky people act to people who are unlucky? And there was this guy who deemed himself as very unlucky. So what they did, they kind of put opportunities around him where he could potentially earn or win money. And he walked past it all, even down to walking past like a 50-pound note. Um, totally just walked past and ignored it and it comes back to this thing of like if you're telling yourself you're this way the lens that you look through the world is going to reflect that back (laughs) so it's really important to have a look at the way that you see yourself the way you relate to yourself before you start looking at um, relationships
1: it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy I'm a loser. I'm awkward. So then you feel like a loser, you act awkward, and then you become awkward and a loser because everyone does, no one wants to be around you. And so, yeah.
0: Yeah. And think about like when you have that identity shift. So it's like, okay, cool. You've got the loser. And it's like, okay, well, what's the standards of the loser? Do they have good self-care? Do they have good boundaries? What's their day-to-day routine look like? Versus someone who loves themselves, who is has a healthy relationship with themselves and also is happy within their life. They're going to have a very different routine, very different standards, very different boundaries. And that is what creates our reality. So, yeah, it's fascinating the way it all works.
1: <laughs> I know this is kind of impossible, but honestly, I wish they taught this in school because I look back at my life. How different? What, you know, I'm grateful for the things that have I've gone through because it's made me stronger. It's made me who I am. But what could I have done if I had been taught to believe in myself? And I, I guess it's kind of your parents should be doing that. But and in those days they didn't really know this stuff as well. So you, I say to my mom, like I don't blame you, but like, damn it, why, <laughs> why didn't the guys like help us with it? But they didn't know any of this stuff, right? So. Exactly. I
0: hear you though. It's like, come on, why didn't you pick up all those psychology books and read them before I was born? <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. No, I hear you. I hear you. Cause I think as well, I think more people have become more aware of how important mindset is naturally like what mindset and personal development naturally all those different things are actually all about. Because if you think about it, people who did personal development, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was more people who were in business, who were doing sales, you know, doing that kind of thing, building businesses. And it wasn't really something for just everyday life or, or certainly not even relationships for starters.
1: <laughs> yes. Go for 10 hours and they don't watch TV at all. And, they, and you're like, okay, well, that's not me. So I guess I'm a loser. Cause I'm not that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's like, uh, I think that's the other thing. It's like fitting people into these boxes, which aren't them in the first place. It's like, okay, yes, that's great for the A type personalities, but what about the other type of personalities? And it's like understanding the difference. Oh, I could just totally just go on for ages about this, but understanding what works for you as a person. And I think this is the other thing about societal norms Like, oh, go to school, get a job, get married, have kids. It's like we're all conditioned to act in a certain way. And also, you know, that also comes back to the caveman era of wanting to fit in. Because if we didn't and we weren't a part of a a tribe, well, our survival rates would just plummet. We would not survive without everyone else. Mm -hmm. So
1: we do have that mentality still. Oh, this is like one of my most favorite things to just talk about with people, all this mental health, personal development, religion, like you and I were talking about earlier. Yeah. Oh my word. I have so many things to ask you.
0: Oh, like such a like a vast amount already in yeah. just a space of time.
1: And like they kind of go in different areas. I know because
0: it's like the whole rabbit hole thing, isn't it? It's like personal development, relationships, religion. It's like, come on, these are all very deep subjects. You can't go on a superficial level on these. <laughs> on okay, level. well I,
1: I do have a question for you. So let's say you meet a guy online or a girl and you start chatting and I I don't like small talk. And when people go, hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. I get triggered. I'm like, no, let's get to the meaty things. Like, you know what I mean? Like this. So if you connect with somebody Mm -hmm. and I had a friend say this to me, she goes, you kind of need to know where the guy is in his, like, you know, if you're texting a few weeks, like, and you're getting all flirty and stuff, you should just ask him, like, where do you see this going? And I was like, well, I don't know. Isn't that too soon? How do you know when you're scaring somebody off and then when you're kind of just... Because you don't want to waste your time with somebody. I hear you, yes. I mean, this is huge. We all probably wonder this, right? How do we kind of navigate through that (laughs) without freaking people out? I think what
0: tends to happen is when we're dating, we tend to put the pressure on of, okay, we're going to meet someone and this is going to be the one. Am I going to get married? And it's like, it's all this pressure on the relationship. And it's a really simple thing that you should be asking at the very beginning. Do I connect with this person? Because it's either a yes or no answer and it will save you a lot of time where you're worrying. And the the most important thing to recognize as well is if you've met someone that you genuinely connect with, um uh, they're not going to leave you pondering they're not going to leave you you know wondering oh is this going somewhere is everything okay they're not going to do that to you because you know this is about as well you know when you're meeting someone you want to meet with meet with someone who's an equal to you and that an equal is i can't say how important that is because it's sort of understanding okay you've got someone who you've met who's got similar interests who's got a similar level of intelligence emotional intelligence i mean one of the things that we've created within love with intelligence is a compatibility matrix and it's the um core areas of what i believe someone should look at when it comes to actually developing a relationship because it goes beyond do i have a good connection with someone um do i do i like them are they physically attractive whatever it might be it's actually going okay well does this person actually align to my goals my personal goals, my relationship goals, because I see a relationship as almost like a journey. It's like, okay, am I going to travel to the same destination or a similar destination as that person? Am I going to enjoy the same music as them? Are we going to take the same route? Are we going to enjoy the car that we're both, you know, traveling in? It's all these different things. It's like um, using that kind of metaphor, but it's like, do I have the same interests as this person? Do I actually enjoy talking with them? Do I have similar rules when it comes to life? Because if I've got someone who's got no morals and I'm a very high moral person, that would drive me insane. I mean, luckily, my partner's got very high morals as well. (laughs) Otherwise, I think I'd throttle him. Um, It's like making sure that you're really aligned together. Because what I tend to find is the majority of people who break up, it's down to actually just not having that alignment. It's like, oh, do you want kids? Yes or no? Do you want to get married? What do you both prioritize? I mean, for example, we've had all the COVID lockdown thing and we've had partners and relationships break down because one partner believes X, Y, Z when it comes to vaccinations (laughs) and the other one believes something else. You know, and it's like, this is why it's so important to be on the same level. Yeah. And then, you know, when I say about equals... This is super important because when I see relationships lose chemistry and lose passion, it's because rather than being equals, you end up with a parent-child dynamic. And when you're in this kind of dynamic where you're, like, you're feeling the need to nag your partner, like, come on, aren't you going to take me somewhere? Aren't you going to do this? Aren't you going to do that? And you, know, you end up um, in this place where you almost become responsible for a child. You're not going to have great sex. You're not going to have great chemistry. It's not going to work. And vice versa, if you're feeling like you're being controlled and being put down or being criticized or being nagged, you're not going to feel great in that relationship. So it's about feeling like you're actually meeting someone who you can actually trust and say, oh, do you know what? I need to make this phone call. Do you mind doing that for me? (laughs) You know, and being able to work as a team together to create the life that you want. So that's just super, super important.
1: (laughs) That's so fascinating. And there's so much in there I love. It just reminded me of something. Have you heard of Evie Pompouris? No, what's that? Oh, it's a woman. Sorry. (laughs) 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 Evie Pompouris. I thought that was all one word. I was like, cool. No, sorry, Evie Pompouris. She wrote a book called Bulletproof. Oh my gosh, I can't, I have the book upstairs. I think it's called Bulletproof or something. She used to work for the CIA or FBI or one of those. Tough woman with awesome boundaries. Like she's just awesome, right? Awesome role model. And I saw her interviewed and she said, with her and her partner, she goes, if he wants to see my cell phone, I'm like, here, yeah, there you go. And so, because she knows, like I, we trust each other. And I was like, wow, because sometimes people would be like, no, you can't see, and I like. I like my privacy. If I'm on Facebook saying something, and I'm like, "Oh shoot, I don't want this this person to know what I said over here," because whatever. Okay. But yeah. if it's somebody that your partner, that you can, they'd probably find that funny what you said on Facebook if you're really compatible, right? Rather than going, "How could you say that about?" Yeah, and it's also the vaccine or the pandemic or, like you were saying, so. Because there's certain family members I would not trust to read them when I say Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought that was so beautiful because I'm like, yeah, if you've got nothing to hide and this person is maybe feeling a moment of insecurity or whatever, and they just kind of want to see your phone, what, that's a beautiful thing. And so I just thought that was really cool how if you're in alignment, you wouldn't actually feel so scared because I do have, I grew up kind of feeling scared of a parent that was just like, a bit of a bully. And so you're like, well, I can't do this or say that. And, and then with other people, you're just like, you can feel free to be yourself. And so mm-hmm. that's the kind of partner that you'd want. And like you said, with uh, emotional intelligence, yes, if you're growing as a person, and that's why I believe in divorce. I grew up like divorce is bad, but I don't care because if you get married at 20... And you're growing and you're learning and you're just like, and this person is stuck down here and they're bringing you down and they're, why would you need to stay in that? You're not in the same, that person's just going to yeah. kind of drag you down with them. That's not healthy. So, sorry, that goes into different topics, but <laughs> right. That's like, true. sorry, because like divorce was just such a, like I told you, I grew up evangelical. So. Mm, Even abuse yeah, is tolerated in many churches, which is disgusting. Yeah, but it's, it's scary.
0: But yeah, I think it's like it comes back down to like two things it's like um, compatibility and also creating a relationship that works for you. Because it's like, um, you know, going back to when you're talking about the CIA agent, one thing that um, I sort of created around healthy relationships after studying and researching. There's four main components I think are really important to any relationship. And they're obviously compatibility, which you kind of touched upon. Consideration, communication. And the last one is collaboration. And collaboration is where most people tend to go wrong in their relationships. Because a big part of that is actually saying, right, as an individual, you are accountable for yourself, you're accountable for your emotions, you're accountable for your personal growth, you're accountable for your happiness your security, your stability, all these different things. And only when you're in that place and your partner is in that place, you can collaborate together to create what you want. Because otherwise, it's a little bit like when we're talking about the parent-child dynamic and all these different things. You're not going to be able to enjoy a healthy relationship without having to feed into the other partner or vice versa. So that's super important. And that can be things like, okay, can I check your phone? And that might be for for one couple or it might not be for a couple. And it's finding out that dynamic of works for both of you. And that's super important. One thing
1: that you were also saying earlier, which is what goes like what we are just talking about, but goes into a different kind of area is, you know about like the people who grew up with the complementarian marriages. So the husband Mm -hmm. is the head of the household. I grew up in that too. And so so if a woman tries to assert herself or do anything it's like oh, you dare challenge the authority of a man and <laughs> you are you are nagging you're doing this and so it becomes i love what you just said it becomes a parent child dynamic mm-hmm. but unfortunately in many conservative christian environments that is the ideal marriage and it wasn't until i started unpacking all this that i realized wait that's freaking patriarchy that's literally the power and control The men want, and they they say, like, this is in the Bible. (laughs) And I'm like, what about just, like, an actual equal partnership where you're both working together and having a good relationship? Like, sorry, I got really upset about this topic. But yeah, do you get people from religious backgrounds that have a hard time understanding, maybe?
0: Yeah, like, there's there's a lot of different religions where that... (sighs) i want to call it a system, <laughs> that dynamic is promoted. The problem is, it's when the power is abused and when, uh, you know, you've got couples actually seeing each other as less than. Mm. And it's like, it's not promoting um, connection. It's not promoting vulnerability. And, you know, some places, it, you know, some relationships that can work and that's great. But where that power is being abused and it's where you've got people who aren't creating a relationship with each other's best interests at heart that causes the main damage. And that's that's really important to understand because you don't get me wrong, you know, in every relationship, someone's going to be clumsy and trip over the other person or hurt the other person or whatever it might be. But if the intention was there where it was meant to hurt, That's when it really hurts. Well, when the intention there is actually, oh, no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I love you all the rest of it. And let's fix this together. That creates a more healthy dynamic. And I think when that intention of something, you know, to create something that's healthy and loving and for the best intention of the relationship and, and both parties who are in it isn't there,
1: that's when the most damage is caused. Wow. You said that perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And I think also when you're in a relationship and I mean, obviously, yeah, you're going to hurt each other in some ways. When you have the freedom to say, you know what, that really hurt. And the person's like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Like I didn't, or, you know, I said this in anger or I apologize. When you have that kind of dynamic, you know, you're in a, in a healthy relationship. Whereas what I've seen is gaslighting all the time. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't have been hurt by that. Like that's not. And so, and there's no apologies or not even empathy or understanding. And so, when you grow up in that kind of environment, like you said, if that was how your parents were acting, then you go on to meet somebody who also treats you that way. Yeah.
0: And it's like, I think, and the problem is, is most people don't know what a narcissistic or controlling relationship actually is. You know, I often speak to people and when they find, you know, found out that their partner is narcissistic, it's like usually after the relationship had ended. And with those types of relationships, what tends to happen is people become disconnected to who they are because they've been in relationships where they felt like, okay, I need to tread on eggshells. If I act in this way, it's going to cause issues. If I act in this way, (laughs) I might be okay and they might be okay with this. And this is what causes a lot of issues within those kind of um, narcissistic relationships. And the thing that when we're talking about the very beginning about how empathy creates this level of control and manipulation and influence is when you start having all the gaslighting at the very beginning of the relationship, there's a chemical spike in the brain. And it releases serotonin and dopamine. So you get this lovely hit of all these awesome chemicals, which are actually more addictive than a class A substance. And then what happens is you get a huge withdrawal where you're suddenly stonewalled and that will suddenly drop. And this will carry on for a bit. So you'll get the massive spike, you'll get the lull. And most people know when they're at the spike because they're like, oh no, the low's coming. I don't know when, but I can feel it. And what all this does is that it creates something called emotional fractionation. And when this happens, you get addicted to that person. So that's when it gets really confusing after leaving those types of relationships. Like I know that person was really bad for me, but I feel, I feel I miss them. I don't understand why. And this is when it's so important to be able to heal and refine yourself because Everything that you've probably done in that relationship, and it doesn't matter if it's three months or 30 years, you'll find that you've done everything to keep that person happy, to adhere to that person, taking on that person's beliefs. and it can be really hard to find yourself. So usually after those relationships, people have foggy brains. They struggle to make um, simple decisions like what brand of bloody milk to buy (laughs) and also um, being unable to know what their emotions are. You know, they'll say, um, oh, I feel angry. Oh, but I shouldn't feel angry because it's fine anyway. And And they'll logically talk themselves out of it. So there's this whole process of refinding yourself as a person after those types of relationships. Mm.
1: And also sometimes people will say you shouldn't feel that way. And I would always take that as like, oh, here I am again. I'm so emotional and I feel this way. But then when people say your feelings are valid. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you're taking that in a certain way that people didn't mean it or whatever. But still, like you have to accept that, okay, I'm hurt for some reason. And the other person should say, okay, I accept that you're hurt. Like, your feelings are valid. And when you start to understand that, instead of just poo-pooing away all everyone's feelings, it's like that whole thing. We all want to be heard. What is it? We all want to be listened to, understood and heard. I don't know. There's like three things. And if we don't feel understood or listened to, or then you're just, you feel so frustrated and then you get more vocal and or withdraw or however you react to that, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: I think when it comes to emotions as well and like expressing the way that you're feeling to a partner or a significant other or even friends or family it's being able to be curious about those emotions because sometimes if you're feeling a certain way yes it's valid from the way that you're thinking about it and uh, yeah does that kind of makes sense because some people as well it's like I'll just think of just a random example. So let's say that, you know, you've been in a relationship before and this guy was a total, total terrible person. Every time that he would have a day where he wouldn't text you, you'd find out later on that he'd been with other women. And then suddenly you go into a relationship and the relationship's going great. You know, you're having an, you know, amazing time with each other. You're building that relationship. You're three three months into the relationship and all of a sudden he's not text you for two hours. And usually he does. And it's like, okay, suddenly having that emotion there is making sure that it's like, it's being explored in a way where it's like, well, you haven't texted me in a couple of hours. So you're a bad person. Versus, ah, actually I'm feeling this way. I know this is mine to heal, but this is where I am right now. And being able to explore it from that place. And it's a place of, um, of non-judgment and being able to give yourself and everyone around you benefit of the doubt. And that is a tough place to get to. But it's important to be able to almost just separate yourself from that emotion, explore it as if you're like a detective and be like, oh, okay, this is new. What is it? <laughs> what is it about this that makes me feel this way? that allows you to be more empowered with that emotion and also not overrun by it. Because I think when people are learning how to connect with the emotions, it can feel very overpowering to begin with (laughs) and very difficult to do. When you have that moment to actually be able to explore it from a place of non-judgment, it helps you to actually release the intensity of that emotion. It's a little bit like, you know when someone explains a really bad joke and they over-explain it and it loses its funniness, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's exactly the same thing for emotions. If we're talking about something and we're talking about this emotion, and we're feeling this way, and da 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 da, it loses its power because it's almost um, like the metaphor I kind of have for these emotions is imagine having a two-year-old sitting next to you, just scream crying. If you don't take notice of them, guess what? They're going to scream louder. You can carry on and go, hey, I'm so happy. And they're having this, like, you know, mental, <laughs> internalized two year old screaming. It's like, actually, no. What happens when you pick them up, ask them, what's, up, what's the matter? What's going wrong? And sometimes it's that inner child within a soul that actually just needs to be listened to.
1: Right. And that's such a good point because, yeah, we bring in our experiences. So that partner I had didn't, respond to me because he was cheating this new partner I have he's not responding because he's at work and so (laughs) you might be like oh he's cheating and yet you're like okay this is a new guy don't and I mean don't bring in your experiences you can't kind of help it but you also have to just acknowledge it's a different person and yeah and that's so hard to do especially if you don't understand what's happening
0: yeah and it's life you know it's like when we when we talk about these things it's not necessarily just relationships. There's going to be every time that you go through a period of growth, there's a period of discomfort because you don't know that you need to grow without that discomfort. It's like, ah, okay, Mm -hmm. this is, this is not how I want to feel, or this is not where I want to be or this, you know, whatever it might be. And then we grow from that, but it's, being from a place where we can accept and understand where we are within that moment to say, okay, cool. I want to be over
1: there
0: <laughs> and, and, and tailoring that journey to you.
1: And then it makes everything, you feel like you're less like an awful, crazy person. Because if you were, well, you're angry all the time and you're this, there's a reason why that person is, is angry. There's something going on with them. There's a reason why this person is all... I used to break down and cry all the time at work. I didn't know exactly why. And I was always like crapped upon me. Oh, Stephanie, you're too sensitive. I was dealing with actually an abusive relationship myself. And so, and just depression. And there was so much involved and people were like, why are you crying? Well, I don't know. And now that I'm working through healing, I understand it better. But you know what I mean? And so we're acting out or we're doing this because of stuff. It's not just, I'm an evil person and I'm acting out. And yeah, like yeah. how we were raised is like, oh, this child is bad and they need to, they're acting out because they're not feeling hurt or they're not, they're struggling with something or whatever. Like, I love the psychology of understanding this more and more because it's so helpful in raising better <laughs> people. Yeah, yeah. Re-raising ourselves, right? Like we have to reparent ourselves a lot of the times. Exactly. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, how does that, so growing up, how the Disney movies, mm-hmm. the romantic comedies, I saw a, a video you did, I think it was with your partner and you're talking about Twilight. Oh gosh, yeah, was funny. I had to laugh because <laughs> <laughs> when Twilight came out, I was like in my mid twenties and I was like, oh, it's so romantic. I know. Oh, yeah. Edward is so, uh. And then you're like, as you get older and you were, ro- ew, wait, that's creepy. He was right? in her bedroom watching her. He's like a stalker. Why do we find that so romantic?
0: Because if you look at the context of it all, it was so romanticized. I mean, I love those books as well. I think um, I watched sorry, read all the books before I saw the movies. I think I read the books, all four of them in 11 days or something ridiculous. Um <laughs> So I, I love them, but it's the context of it. And I think when it's being romanticized, like, oh, this is good. That's the level of like how emotions, when we create those emotions of, oh, this is romantic. Anything can kind of get past that. Oh, this is for our greater good. Awesome. That's the way it, that anything that we want is negative to be bypassed through. It's like, like a narcissistic relationship, for example. So I went through a, a narcissistic, psychopathic relationship. And I stalked for five years afterwards.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness.
0: That led me through to this work. And also when I started learning or when I started going into sort of behavioral profiling and those bits and pieces, I started learning a lot more about like influence, those kind of things. And I was, there was this time where I was single and I was on a dating app And someone had reached out to me and, you know, started talking and it's like, okay, you know, and you just sort of know that this person's, you just don't really connect with them. There's a disconnect. It's like, okay, cool. I'll end the conversation, be polite and just leave it there. Well, a couple of days after that conversation, I suddenly got um, a bunch of pink roses arrive at my house. So this guy from just my first name, my profile picture had managed to find out where I lived. No. Right. And what tends to happen, so this is like a, a typical narcissistic kind of personality type. I mean, and when I say narcissistic and a narcissist, I genuinely mean the true, the the true thing rather than you know the relationship and dating industry buzzword. So for those of you that are unsure of what a true narcissist is, a narcissist, the empathy part of the brain is actually underdeveloped. So what that actually means is this person doesn't actually have empathy, but they'll use it in others to be able to get what they want. So it's a little bit like a calculator. It's like, press these buttons and, you know, get get this number. (laughs) And it's the same with people. It's like, do this, do this, and you'll get this result. So what happens with narcissists is they'll do something in order to receive back. So, for example, like sending roses. Well, the idea then is like, okay, now they have to meet me because I've given something and for for um people in general, if we 're given something, we feel the need to be able to do something back for that person yeah? <laughs> yeah, so when you when you start seeing things in a completely different light of how manipulation actually works, you're able to go, "Ah, okay, there's this, I know how to stop that and one of the things that's actually one of the things that actually led me to chase because I knew that This person was stalkerish, this person knew where I live, this person had decided to step over boundaries. And I actually found out from Chase exactly what to go ahead and do to disarm myself from this person where he didn't want to pursue me anymore from just a few messages without being rude to him. And also without being confrontational, because I hate being confrontational. It's like,
1: yeah. So yeah.
0: And being able to share that with other people. So they're not in those kind of dynamics. It's been pretty powerful.
1: (laughs) Wow. Can I ask what kind of response did you do? Like, how do you do that? How do you stop this person from?
0: Yeah. So I'd love to go into real, real detail, but it has to, to be done properly. It has to be done on that person's personality. Okay. And that's super, super important. So, and the reason why... I'd say that I would normally go, yep, okay, I want to share it all. If someone gets this wrong, this could be life or death for the wrong kind
1: of person. Okay, right. It's not
0: quite quite worth it.
1: (laughs) Wow, that's amazing that those resources are out there though, like to know that.
0: Yeah, I'd say as well, like people who kind of want to learn and start their journey around that, go and check out a book called The Gift of Fear by Gavin Dubecker. And he goes into a lot of different things around the danger signs, which is absolutely fantastic. Like I genuinely believe that every woman should read that
1: book because it's all about how to keep safe. Right. That's so helpful. I used to be so scared of everything. And it, the world was scary. Men were scary. I was a people pleaser, pushover or whatever. And so I was terrified of all of that. And it stunted me in my dating relationships too. And so, and also growing up in, I grew up also in the days of courtship where we all read Evangelical World. We all read Joshua Harris's book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. So you weren't allowed to really date. You just kind of like met somebody and then you courted them and that was the person. So you didn't You didn't really get to understand and meet different people and just date. And so, yeah, there's so much more about that. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I think, have you, you've probably heard of that people coming out of that. And do you find, because people would say, oh, you just want to go sleeping with everyone. You want to go dating. But dating is helpful because then the more people you meet, the more dates you go on and you can see, oh, this guy, this personality, nah. I thought I would like that, but I don't. Mm-hmm. That's helpful, right? Yeah, it's like the equivalent of, imagine eating food. It's like,
0: would you go, okay, well, I'm going to eat this, this food and uh, I'm only going to have uh, this type of vegetable for the rest of my life. It's like, well, actually, sometimes you just need to go out and taste different things, understand different personality types, connect with different people and say, do you know what? <laughs> actually dairy doesn't agree with me <laughs> 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 and you're only ever going to find out you know if you're able to actually you know number one learn about yourself and the only way that you learn about ourselves is by connecting with people <laughs> because you think about it, we sort of say oh, okay well this is my personality type this is what makes me different to this person that's what we're able to to judge ourselves on so it's about understanding ourselves through the process and actually saying, okay, what actually works for me? What allows me to feel good? So dating allows us to actually do that.
1: Right. That is so helpful, I think. And I wish the, uh, the teenage me could have <laughs> talked to you. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Wow, this is so much fun, Lily. Can you share with us your website and all your resources? Yeah, of course. So,
0: Jeff, definitely check us out at lovewithintelligence.com. We've got a ton of resources. So, we've got our free 15 page meet the one guide, and that's got our compatibility matrix in that's helped lots of people meet their ideal partner. We've also got another training about healing from narcissistic relationships and how to go on and meet a partner after going through something like that, because trust can be so hard after after those kind of relationships and we've also got a radio show coming as well
1: so we're launching that soon wow that is awesome i love all that you're doing thank you i'm so man i would love to do that kind of thing like i think it's fascinating it's so helpful for people i'm so glad that you're doing it like you're amazing and you're so easy to talk to and so oh. <laughs> thank you likewise like I love the fact
0: that you just created this awesome podcast where you just do like (laughs) all these amazing talks like I envy you like being able to have all these awesome conversations so yeah love what you do love your energy
1: thank you Lily yeah huge thank you for having me on well Lily Walford everybody I want to give a big shout out and thank you to my amazing editor german at your podcast editor you can check him out on instagram and twitter he edits the audio conversations i have with my guests and he does such an amazing job and he is such a nice person very encouraging so check him out at your podcast editor if you want to help support the podcast you can subscribe rate and review as it helps other people to find the podcast and listen as well there is also Financially, if you want to help support the podcast, you can check out buymeacoffee.com backslash podcast. Come follow me on the socials on Twitter at steph underscore ann underscore web on Instagram, stephanie underscore ann underscore web. And you can check out my website, com, where you can check out the podcast, my blog, and I also have a link on there to buy my children's book, What Should Dragon Do?, The main character in the book is called Dragon, and her adventure is living with her two bear roommates. The book consists of three little stories of different circumstances, living with people, and how the tiny things can drive us crazy, and our emotions and how we react can affect others. I appreciate you. I thank you so much for listening. Now go out there and make it a great day. Bye!